Uh, my name is Stephanie Seneff, and I'm a senior research scientist at MIT. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in biology from MIT and a PhD from MIT also in electrical engineering and computer science. I've worked at MIT all my life. Um, and most of my, for most of my research, I, I was involved with developing uh, computer spoken dialogue systems, systems that it allow a computer to communicate with humans using trying to make it use natural language, natural dialogue uh, communication. Um, about seven years ago, I got very interested in uh, autism because I was worried about what I perceived as some kind of environmental factors that must be causing the obvious uh, increase in, in the incidence of autism. So um, I started studying it, and I used my computer science tools to help me analyze research literature, analyze uh, databases like, for example, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and um, uh, started looking and trying to find out uh, which uh, environmental factors might be playing a role in autism. So yes, yeah, so, so it took me five years of research on autism. I gathered a lot of data. I found some evidence that aluminum and mercury uh, toxicity were playing an important role. Sun sunlight deficiency was also a factor, and I could see that from um, from the association between the uh, these these factors and the autism uh, syndrome, which is a very complex syndrome with many uh, comorbid comorbidities. Um, but it was fi five years after struggling to find the answer that I finally did find the answer in a uh, presentation that I heard by Professor Don Huber, um, who is a retired uh, expert. Um, an academician. He's a retired professor from Purdue University um, and studied uh, plant physiology and plant pathology his entire life. And he has been uh, tirelessly campaigning since retirement on around the world on, the, on his uh, conviction that glyphosate is the most critical, most dangerous toxin in our environment today. And I was blown away by his two-hour presentation because he solved all the remaining problems that I had, where I had gaps, where I could see autism had these different features, such as the gut dysbiosis, uh, a lot of problems with the gut, um, that I wasn't able to explain with the things that I had studied so far. So all of a sudden, everything fell into place. The sulfur deficiency as well, and the dysbiosis of sulfur, um, and the serotonin deficiency. So all of these things that I was aware of were problems in autism that I hadn't been able to explain, then all of a sudden I could explain them with this molecule. Uh, I don't understand why uh, the U.S. government is not recognizing the dangers of glyphosate. I think that Monsanto, the producer of glyphosate, has done a very good job of convincing them that there's no need to worry. And um, so they've been, uh, Monsanto claims that it's harmless to humans or nearly harmless to hum humans uh, because we, and they say why, which is that we don't have the pathway that it disrupts in, in uh, uh, plants. And so that's, a, I guess, a reasonable enough explanation that most people want to believe it, and therefore they don't go any further than that. Um, but if you do take a deeper look at what glyphosate actually does uh, to cells of all sorts, and, other, and, they've, and there have been studies on uh, microbes and studies on um, animal models, and there have been very, very, probably no studies on humans, uh, which is really unfortunate when this is the most widely used uh, herbicide on the planet. So I just should say glyphosate is the active ingredient in the pervasive weed killer round, Roundup, which people can go down to the hardware store and buy to use to kill the weeds in their, in their yard. People are careless with it because they don't consider it to be toxic. 
and it's used in enormous amounts in the agricultural uh, world, uh, specifically and especially on the GMO Roundup Ready crops. That's one of the major GMO um, uh, GMOs that exist in, in in the world. Are these uh, genetically modified uh, plants, and these are the core crops of the processed food industry: soy, corn, uh, canola oil, sugar beets, which is of course sugar. Um, there's really only a few, uh, alfalfa is another one, of these core crops that are Roundup ready, which means that they uh, don't die when they're sprayed with Roundup, and then as a consequence, they soak it up and, there's getting, and we're getting a lot more residue in our uh, food as a consequence. Yeah, Roundup uh, glyphosate uh, by itself is toxic, but it has a hard time getting into the cells. Oh, so they've actually, uh, they, they've found out, they've discovered that if they add these additional surfactant factors uh, to the Roundup, then to the, to the glyphosate to make the product Roundup, then they can make the glyphosate much more toxic to plants than it would otherwise be. Unfortunately, it's also much more toxic to our cells as well. And in fact, uh, studies have shown a 125-fold increase in toxicity of glyphosate in the presence of these uh, surfactants. And when they study glyphosate in, in isolation, they don't put these surfactants in. So they're, they're lying about the toxicity by, by a factor of 125 in these studies. I know, that's another thing that Monsanto has assured us, that they, it, it flushes through very quickly and goes out in the urine, and we shouldn't have to worry about it accumulating. Um, the evidence is not strong because almost nobody has looked to see exactly what happens to the glyphosate in humans. There has been a very recent study on chickens that showed it accumulating in several tissues, including the muscles. And of course, the muscles are, are, the, are the meat. So that means if you're eating a chicken that's been fed a lot of glyphosate-containing food, you're going to get glyphosate in the meat. Um, a human study was done by a, a, a group of moms in an organization called Moms Across America, and these moms uh, sent off their breast milk for evaluation for glyphosate. These were moms who were conscientious about GMOs and trying to avoid them. And uh, some 30% of the moms had glyphosate present in their milk, and in their milk at a higher concentration than it was present in their urine, which is an indication of bioaccumulation in the milk because it's being concentrated there. So that's very, very disturbing. This might also explain why people are having so much trouble with casein and milk intolerance, you know, various uh, uh, problems with uh, milk products because, potentially, because the milk contains glyphosate, I'm suspecting. Because the cows are given huge amounts of glyphosate in their food, in their food, which comes from the GMO Roundup Ready corn and soy. Yeah, well, obviously, the breast milk is going to go to the baby, and the baby is going to get exposed to glyphosate very early in life. Of course, even probably uh, in the fetus. The fetus is probably also getting exposed to glyphosate, or if not, it's getting exposed to the consequence of a hostile environment because of what glyphosate does to everything else. And, and I, we can get into this later, but glyphosate chelates minerals, which causes them to be unavailable. And so mineral deficiency becomes a problem, and in particular, cobalamin deficiency is a huge factor associated with um, issues during pregnancy, preeclampsia, for example, which is a very um, scary condition that develops in the third trimester and can be due to uh, co cobalamin deficiency. Cobalamin uh, requires cobalt, and cobalt is chelated by glyphosate. Studies on cows show, showed extremely low levels of cobalt uh, in the blood across the board on eight different dairy farms in Denmark. There. 
Yeah, that's just absolutely fascinating. And I'm reading more and more about it and struggling with the chemistry and the physics of it all. It's very fascinating. And I'm discovering, I'm looking at several different minerals, um, certainly starting with cobalt, iron, uh, molybdenum, um, manganese, at least, and then also aluminum and arsenic, which are not uh, minerals that we want. Those are toxic metals. And all of those uh, become disrupted uh, and dangerous in the context of glyphosate. So chelation means that it basically puts a cage around the uh, molecule, around the uh, atom, the, uh, the mineral, and makes it unavailable to the gut bacteria. And for example, the lactobacillus critically depend on manganese um, for, their thrive, for their survival. And uh, they become uh, impaired when, there isn't, when the manganese isn't available. And so I think the glyphosate is depriving them of their manganese, causing them then to not grow well. And they play an important role in chasing out all the pathogens. So when they can't grow, pathogens take over, and you end up with the inflammatory gut that's become an epidemic in the American society. In fact, studies have been done on chickens, and they've shown by both bifidobacteria and lactobacillus are disrupted by glyphosate. And then uh, Clostridium difficile overgrows in the context of, of glyphosate. And that's a very serious, we've had a huge issues with C. difficile recently. In hospitals, there have been these infections that uh, are resistant to all multiple antibiotics. So I think this is a consequence of the comfortable environment that glyphosate is setting up for these pathogens to allow them to grow. It looks that way. It looks to me like that the glyphosate disrupts the things that the beneficial bacteria need to thrive. And so the consequence is then that the pathogens take over and then that causes a host of problems to the, to the person. Uh, and once your gut is out of order, then all kinds of things go wrong, including your nervous system, because there's a very strong connection between the gut and the brain. The gut-brain axis is something that people, researchers are studying very intently these days. Right. Oh, it's very, very interesting with manganese. And I had, it took me a while, just like it took me a while to discover glyphosate, five years of looking. Then after I discovered glyphosate and read extensively about it, it took me at least a year, maybe even a year and a half, to realize manganese. And what tipped me off, I had sort of seen manganese, yeah, because I knew that manganese was a, was a critical factor in how glyphosate uh, kills the plant, because the enzyme that it disrupts depends on manganese. So that was a big hint. But then I sort of hadn't heard much about manganese in human physiology, and I thought, well, maybe it's not that important to humans. But then I saw this article by, about these cows, and I mentioned it earlier, cobalt. They looked uh, at the cows that were being fed GMO Roundup Ready corn and soy, and they looked at a bunch of different minerals, and they found two that were severely depleted. So that was a big clue. Those are the two I should be looking at, manganese and cobalt. So cobalt, I mentioned cobalamin, which is incredibly important to your physiology. Manganese. When I saw that, I, had, I was scratching my head because I didn't really know which uh, enzymes are, are affected by manganese deficiency. So I started diving in and reading all about manganese. And I was shocked with what I found because I found that every single thing that was affected by manganese deficiency fit right into uh, issues that we have today in health. So it was like, wow, it has to be the case that glyphosate is messing up the manganese. And um, so the, you mentioned the glutamate. Um, there's a glutamine synthase that depends upon manganese to work, to function, and it takes glutamate and ammonia as input, and it produces glutamine as output, a very, very important enzyme because it's used in the brain to prevent glutamate toxicity and ammonium toxicity. And in fact, in autism, I had already written a paper about glutamate and, and ammonia specifically in the brain 
in association with autism, causing a kind of low-grade chronic encephalopathy. I wrote that before I knew anything about glyphosate. But once I knew about the manganese problem with glyphosate, then all of a sudden it made sense why this was happening. Right, well, I was really, uh, I was fascinated by this, um, I've been reading about the starfish. Of course, I know about the coral crisis, and I've been puzzled about that. What is causing the coral worldwide to be really, really uh, in trouble? The coral is dying everywhere around the world. Um, and so what's causing that? And then the starfish on the West Coast, which they've been they've come up with this very bizarre starfish uh, disorder where they basically uh, melt. Their, their skeleton just starts kind of turning into goo. It's extremely malformed. Um, and so... You know, of course, people are struggling to figure out what's causing this. I suspect glyphosate uh, in both cases because um, the, uh, they, both the coral and the starfish depend upon manganese for enzymes that are used to make a chondroitin sulfate, which is a critical, critical piece of their skeleton. So their skeleton becomes severely disturbed in the absence of sufficient manganese and glyphosate chelates manganese. And so I looked around and I found out that manganese is, I mean, that glyphosate is used. I was horrified to find this out because oysters are really, really healthy food and I think that they're very important for re renewing all of your minerals because they have a tremendous amount of mineral content. Um, but unfortunately, the oysters on the West Coast, on the oyster farms are being, uh, glyphosate's being applied to them to kill the seagrass that's growing around the oysters. And the um, starfish eat oysters, so they come in and they get exposed to the seagrass, to the glyphosate in the seagrass, I'm suspecting, or even in the oyster, which really horrifies me because we, you know, no one's tested glyphosate levels in oysters, and I'm afraid to find out what it is. So, pesticides, why are adjuvants added to pesticides, and, and what is that, how does that matter in terms of our ecosystem? Right. Well, so they, I mean, they figured out that you can put in these adjuvants, which are usually surfactants, which cause the uh, cells to be, uh, the, it messes up the cell wall. And so it causes the cells, uh, the, the, the active ingredient in the, in the pesticide to be more readily enter the cell, even more readily enter the mitochondria within the cell. And so, um, and this has been confirmed with glyphosate, that the glyphosate uh, enters the cell much more readily in the presence of these um, adjuvants. And of course, they use them then to make it more toxic to the plant or more toxic to the pest. To the, to the pest. So um, for them, it's like, great, this makes it more toxic, let's do it. But unfortunately, they don't necessarily study it in that same context when they try to evaluate its toxicity in order to report to the, to the FDA or something about the, or the EPA about the uh, safety of this um, chemical. Yes, I was so thrilled when I saw, first of all, a wonderful, wonderful paper written by some Sri Lankans. And these people were intent on trying to understand what was causing kidney failure among young agricultural workers. This is now when it was occurring at an epidemic rate among these workers. Uh, and it's been observed in both the sugarcane fields and in the rice fields uh, in Sri Lanka and also in Central America and in India. Um, the agricultural workers are in trouble with kidney failure. And so uh, these workers did a very careful study looking at the places where the agricultural workers were affected and the places where they weren't. And they discovered that an area where they were growing organic, none of the, um, 
none of the workers were sick. None of them had any problem with kidney failure. And in an area where glyphosate was being used, and also this area had previously had a lot of exposure to arsenic. So the soil, because arsenic had also been used previously as a weed killer, and then they sort of switched over to glyphosate. So they kind of had a combination of arsenic and glyphosate. And these people figured out that that was very synergistically dangerous because the glyphosate, just arsenic is another mineral, just like um, all the other ones, glyphosate cages arsenic and carries it like a stealth bomb uh, past the gut barrier because of the fact that it can uh, hide the, the plus three charge on the molecule, on the atom, and make it much easier to get across the gut barrier. Takes it right past the liver and delivers it straight to the kidney where there's an acidic environment that allows then, in the acidic environment, glyphosate lets go. So it's a perfect stealth bomb. It delivers the arsenic to the kidney and also delivers the glyphosate to the kidney at the same time because when the two are combined, the molecule is relatively safe, the combination. But once it opens up because of the acidic environment, both of them become toxic and the kidneys get damaged. And this was the explanation they offered uh, in, in the paper, and this is what led the government to be uh, immediately proactive and say, okay, we're banning glyphosate. And El Salvador also followed suit for the same reasons. So now two countries have banned glyphosate usage in, our, in agriculture, which makes me very, very happy because I'm hoping there will be a trend with more and more countries uh, following suit. So it's really interesting that, um, and this was again manganese, so the quote was about manganese and how manganese is what uh, glyphosate gets at to cause toxicity in the soil, which disrupts the soil bacteria, allows the pathogens to overgrow. And then exactly the same thing happens in the gut, again with the manganese, the same problem. So you have a kind of a... Um, a unified theory. I think there's even a cloud bacterial effect, uh, and I haven't studied this enough, but I know there are bacteria that grow in the clouds, and they probably also uh, are important for managing the weather. And I know we've had crazy, crazy weather lately, and I suspect that it's possible that glyphosate plays a role in that, because it could be getting, in, and it's definitely in the rain. I mean, so there was a recent study that showed 80, I think 86 percent of the rain samples uh, in this area that was studied, I think it was in Kentucky, um, had glyphosate present in the rain, so it's obviously getting into the sky and getting into the clouds. It's going to damage the cloud bacteria, so you've got the soil, the clouds, and the gut all disrupted by the glyphosate and causing an enormous issue across the board on the earth. Yes, well, it, it actually prevents the uptake into the roots, and then it especially prevents the uptake into the uh, leaves. So you, studies have shown uh, depletion, for example, of iron, zinc, um, magnesium, uh, and of course we mentioned cobalt and manganese, um, and probably molybdenum as well. I mean, basically all of these minerals are going to be affected, and so the plant is going to become depleted. It doesn't take up, it take up these minerals into the roots, and therefore doesn't get into the... Um, product from the plant, and so our food is deficient in these minerals as a consequence. And the feed that's given to the animals is also deficient, so the animals are deficient. And of course, they're getting really sick. I mean, there's a lot of studies going on right now, particularly with uh, pigs. The, the, the hogs are really hurting uh, in both in America and in Europe. And I just read an article this morning, which was, was fantastic, because it was saying farmers, uh, both in Europe and in America, are discovering that if they go back to non-GMO, not organic, but just non-GMO uh, corn and soy uh, feed for their hogs, they improve their health so much that they save money by doing that. Um, and it's because the GMO is allowing the glyphosate to get into the, into the food much more so than the, uh, than the non-GMO, even when glyphosate's being used to manage the weeds.
It's amazing. I mean, this was something that I actually discovered after Anthony Sampson and I wrote our first paper where we did a big analysis and had all these modern conditions and diseases that we could explain on the basis of glyphosate. Autism was one of them also, obesity and Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. I mean, there's a big list um, of diseases. So as after um, I had already written this paper that I got contacted by a person named Nancy Swanson who, had, uh, who has published an amazing uh, number of, of plots of uh, correlations between glyphosate usage on corn and soy on the one hand and a whole bunch of different modern diseases. And I'm going to give you a list of some of them because it's amazing. Autism, very definitely, Alzheimer's disease, thyroid cancer, um, pancreatic cancer, um, obesity, uh, even, even uh, LDL, like high cholesterol, and um, gut, of course gut disorders, you know, uh, inflammatory gut, uh, celiac disease, um, kidney failure, um, the list goes on on Parkinson's disease, all of these things are uh, anxiety, all of them are going up in step with glyphosate usage on corn and soy. The, uh, the autism is absolutely amazing because what we did is we plotted, Nancy and I sort of worked this out, look at the previous four years of glyphosate usage on corn and soy, integrate over the previous four years, and then look at the number of autistic kids in first grade in the school system. So the school system uh, evaluates for autism and puts them on a special program in the public schools. So you can get those numbers from the, from the web, it's from the US government. If you look at those two plots, this is looking at a six-year-old child's an estimate of their exposure from the age of two to the age of six is the glyphosate plot. And the other plot is the number of kids in first grade that have autism. You put those two plots on top of each other, they coincide. 0.997 Pearson correlation coefficient, looking over the past, over the 10 years from 1990 to 2010. Absolutely unbelievable. 0.997, you never see such a strong correlation coefficient. 1.0 is the highest it can ever be. And I find that just absolutely stunning. I mean, to me, that is really the, the home run to say, I already had figured out glyphosate is causing autism. And then to see that kind of correlation was very satisfying from the standpoint of uh, just um, validating, validating the studies. Let's uh, expand. Using the VARS database, VARS is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And um, that was one of the first things I started to look into when I was trying to figure out autism. I mean, I know that the autism parents talk a lot about the vaccine caused my child's autism. And of course, the government is saying, no, no, that's not true. It's absolutely not true. We've proven it in the papers. If you look at the papers that are saying it's not true, they're weak. They're not legitimate. And whereas there's plenty of papers talking about the aluminum and the mercury in the vaccines, um, showing causative effects from the biology. So I think they're absolutely right. The glyphosate makes the um, aluminum much more toxic than it would otherwise be. So this paper, I wrote it before I knew anything about glyphosate. I looked at the VARS database, and I did a lot of interesting uh, statistical analyses of words within the reports to show interesting linkages between symptoms that are associated with autism, symptoms that are associated with preeclampsia in the mother, and then symptoms, symptoms that are associated with um, anemia. So you sort of mix these. You can pull, pull things different ways, different threads. You can read the paper. All the details are there. But you see all these correlations that link these things together. And it turns out preeclampsia, which is an effect in pregnancy, which is associated with anemia, um, and which can also lead to uh, encephalitis in the mother. And of course, I think autism is a low-grade encephalitic, uh, encephalitis in the child. So this is all connecting up between the mother and the child having sort of the same condition. And the mother sort of uh, pr pr 
producing an environment in the womb that is conducive towards the autism uh, phenotype. And um, so it's fascinating, all these things linked up together. And of course, the cobalamin is cobalt, which is the mineral that glyphosate depletes. And that's the B12 that causes this pernicious anemia. So everything links up. And also, uh, preeclampsia is a very strong prediction for autism in the offspring. So all of this connects together very, very nicely with a very scary situation of uh, producing autism because of this cobalamin deficiency in the mother. Glyphosate and the aluminum are very uh, toxic together. And, um, and I've written about that in various papers. I'm still writing about that in future papers as well. Um, fascinating, because the, for, there's many different ways in which glyphosate makes aluminum more toxic. And, um, and it causes the aluminum to accumulate in the brain instead of being flushed out through the urine. And um, it's, for example, the chelation. And glyphosate puts cage around the aluminum. So if you get the aluminum in the vaccine, it gets into your blood, and there's glyphosate in your blood, the glyphosate will put the cage around the aluminum so that it can't be disposed of, and then it will carry the aluminum to the terminal watershed. And one of those places it'll carry it to is the pineal gland in the brain. And so that's going to then, just like uh, a glyphosate delivers arsenic to the kidneys to produce kidney failure, glyphosate can deliver aluminum to the pineal gland to uh, create uh, damage to the pineal gland. And that's going to cause a disrupted sleep because the pineal gland produces melatonin, uh, which regulates sleep. Melatonin is um, produced by products of the shikimate pathway, which glyphosate disrupts. So you're going to have a melatonin deficiency problem anyway because of the glyphosate. On top of damage to the pineal gland from the aluminum and from the glyphosate, who, which are delivered to the pineal gland together through this chelation process. So that's very nasty. Glyphosate also uh, causes the overgrowth of C. difficile, which produces a product called P-cresol. P-cresol enhances the uptake of aluminum by cells. And P-cresol has been shown uh, to be present in association with autism in the urine. And a study on mice showed a remarkable correlation between uh, the production of something that's very, very similar to P-cresol, um, which is called 4-EPS. It's ethyl instead of methyl, but otherwise exactly the same as P-cresol. This thing was increased 47 times in the 47-fold in the blood in these mice that had been engineered to have autism. Um, so there's lots of connections there with the aluminum and the glyphosate and the picresol and um, increased toxicity of the aluminum because of the glyphosate. Uh, so a study that looked at the brain um, looked at different regions of the brain and measured uh, postmortem, of course, and measured. Um, how much aluminum had accumulated, and it found more than twice as much aluminum in the pineal gland compared to any other parts of the brain. So clearly, if there is aluminum uh, in the brain, it's going to preferentially accumulate in the pineal gland. And of course, sleep disorder is associated with all kinds of neurological conditions, autism, Alzheimer's, depression, multiple sclerosis, um, Parkinson's disease. All of these are associated with sleep disorder. So I think the pineal gland is especially vulnerable to um, damage from uh, aluminum and probably other toxic metals as well. Uh, probably manganese as well, interestingly enough, because glyphosate is going to do the same thing with manganese, carry it in a shield, not allow any of the cells to get at it, who could use it productively to, to activate enzymes, instead deliver it to the pineal gland and to the general brainstem nuclei to cause damage there. So it's really um, interesting how it could cause the manganese to get redistributed such that it's toxic. In certain areas of the body, there's too much. And then in other parts, there's a deficiency. So that's, it does that with all the minerals. It messes up 
the homeostasis so that it's in the wrong place and, and gets over-concentrated and dangerous in its parts. So you can have both deficiency and toxicity at the same time because of the way glyphosate uh, disrupts the management of these minerals. Really, really important. That's what I'm learning all about the, how the body manages minerals and how that gets disrupted by something like glyphosate. I mean, all of these things are impacted by, uh, by the glyphosate. Thyroid hormone, for example, is produced from the shikimate pathway. You know, it's really ironic that Monsanto says, oh, we don't have that pathway, so we don't need to worry. The fact is, because we don't have that pathway, we can't make the products of that pathway. That's the pathway that glyphosate disrupts in the plants, the shikimate pathway. And it is a precursor to thyroid hormone, dopamine, serotonin, melatonin, melanin, which is the tanning in your skin, um, vitamin E, um, folate, you know, vitamin B6. So all these, uh, all these are going to become deficient uh, because of the lack of the products of the shikimate pathway because the microbes are producing that for you as precursors to these really, really important molecules in your body. So the thyroid hormone deficiency plus the dopamine problem because dopamine comes from the shikimate pathway. When dopamine is deficient, then the body sends out signals to produce more thyroid hormone. The thyroid gland becomes very stressed because it doesn't have enough raw materials to make the thyroid hormone. It's being told, make more, make more. So it gets inflamed, I mean, it gets damaged, and then you can end up with thyroid cancer, which is very highly correlated with glyphosate usage on corn and soy. And also, a pre thyroid is a predictor. Thyroid disruption, uh, hypothyroidism in the mother is a predictor of autism in the child. So again, this all connects up. See, the joints have, uh, depend very critically on chondroitin sulfate for their health. And, um, and of course, people are having terrible problems with their joints these days. Um, and also with their bones. I mean, I, the, the, uh, the, all of the bone system and the joints depends upon chondroitin sulfate. And chondroitin sulfate depends upon manganese to be produced. I talked about it earlier with the um, starfish and with the coral. They also produce chondroitin sulfate, and they also get disrupted when they don't have enough manganese. So uh, I think the body, we're having a huge problem also with um, people have osteomalacia, which is sort of soft bones in the elderly these days. Old people are, are getting very, a lot of injuries having to do with a, a fall. They're, they're weak. They're too weak. They fall. They break a bone. I mean, everything is very, their skeleton is in really bad shape, and they're very fragile. And, they're, and we're having a huge issue with... Um, with healthcare costs going up because of these elderly people becoming sometimes so physically disabled because of some breaking a hip or something like that, they can really go downhill. And I think that's all because of this, uh, in, in part because of this lack of manganese, uh, because of the glyphosate chelation problem that's causing them to have unhealthy bones and unhealthy joints. I think that it's a shame that we've become afraid of the sun. We've been taught to use sunscreen if we go outside or to avoid the sun. This is the wrong message. And, it, and I think we have an enormous problem with vitamin D deficiency in our country today. In part, maybe in large part, that's because glyphosate disrupts the enzymes in the liver that activate vitamin D. And I didn't get into this whole issue of, the, um, of this disruption of the enzymes. It's a very important part of what glyphosate does. It uh, disrupts these enzymes called Cype enzymes, and they're really uh, important in the liver. One of the things they do is to activate the vitamin D. They also produce the bile acids, which are very, very important for digesting fats as well as for regulating the minerals. So that gets messed up. And then also the, these enzymes are used to detoxify other toxic chemicals, so uh, they become more toxic. So that has a huge effect 
Uh, and of course, liver disease is a huge issue that's growing in this country. Fatty liver, uh, cirrhosis, all of these are going up in step with glyphosate usage on corn and soy. I think it's wonderful that today in America you can go to Whole Foods and you can buy organic foods. And my husband and I have a policy now of buying only organic, and we, and we have fun with it. We'll, we'll say, oh, well, can we make this? And we'll see the ingredients, and we'll go and see if we can find every one of those ingredients organically. And if we can't, we won't make it. So we're having to make choices about what we eat on the basis of can we find it organic. I've given up, for example, on... Um, Yogurt. I used to really love yogurt, and I require high-fat yogurt, full-fat yogurt. I won't eat yogurt that's not full-fat. So when you say full-fat plus organic, it's very hard to find. Um, but for the most part, I've been able, we've been able to find the foods that we enjoy organically at Whole Foods. And of course, we also go to farmer's markets, and we always ask, is it organic? And they'll say, well, this is organic, that's not. Okay, we'll take this. So we're very, very careful. We drink organic beer, organic wine. I mean, we're, we, have, we buy organic spices. So we walk the walk, my husband and I. And um, we talk to everybody we know. We say, you got to go organic. I mean, that is really the very simple, straightforward answer. And fortunately, at least where I live, you can do it. Now, I don't know if it's true in all parts of the country. I live in Boston, so there's a lot of resources. Organic is growing, 13% uh, last year growth in organic, which is a really good sign. And I actually think we can... I don't have a lot of faith in the government because the government is extremely wedded to the whole GMO uh, toxic chemical approach to farming, which I think is extremely um, distressing for me. I mean, they're actually subsidizing the very crops that are causing us to be sick. All the uh, processed foods, the f crops that go into the processed food industry that are based on the GMO Roundup Ready scheme are, are what's being subsidized. So the government could play a huge role in simply taking that subsidy money and, and, and switching it over to the small farmers who are growing organic farms. They should do that. I would compel them to do that, but I don't expect it because I am finding extreme resistance in the government. But individuals can make a huge difference one by one. Everybody who knows, go organic and tell everybody you know to go organic and explain why. And I think that uh, we can make a difference as individuals, grassroots, bottom up, uh, faster, really, than it's going to happen through the government, I believe.